0: It's time for the Building, game, the, building game, the Game, with Jason and Friends, for Tabletop Game, building is the game the with the fun never it's at the end of the, of the episode, episode, that's when it technically ends. Hello and
1: welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, June 5th, and you're listening to episode 575. As always, I am your host, Jason, here today, joined in the studio... By game designer and friend and world traveler Kelly Hoagland. Hello. So I guess US traveler of late.
0: Of oh, late, um, yeah. I have been outside the US, but it's been a minute. So
1: Vagabond.
0: Homeless, hmm. really. Technically, yes. I, I do not actually have a permanent address currently.
1: You uh you did the thing where you said, hey, uh I can work from anywhere, so I am going to let my lease expire and work from the road.
0: Exactly. So, Airbnb's uh, for the win. Exactly. Until I can save up and get that schooly thing or something.
1: Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Yes, get the old school bus and turn it into
0: a uh, sweet, sweet living space. Yeah. No, nothing but parking in Walmart, parking lots, and showering at uh, Planet Fitness. It's going to be a good thing. Yeah. I
1: have heard that that works really well for people. The Planet Fitness thing, I heard, is the key to it because,
0: you know, it's... uh, like it's like 15 bucks a month or something yeah i think it's 20 for the national pass and like 15 for like your home base or whatever but but yeah it's not a bad thing
1: 20 bucks a month is a heck of a lot cheaper than rent it is it is so that is pretty cool yeah
0: um cool but it's good to be here and see you i'm glad i spent my first leg like, of my journey up here getting to spend some time with you. yeah
1: yeah good. you've been here for gosh is it like a month almost Uh, almost a month month. right yeah it
0: was going to be a month but then i had to delay uh my travel for a week because of family problems yeah Yeah. yep your family um
1: yeah so yeah so so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of talk through what we've been working on Uh, and anybody in the btg discord spoiler already knows a lot of this we're going to go into a little more detail about how it worked out um and uh, kind of the interesting process we've gone through, and, and I think that there's some cool lessons that can be learned from it for for other designers uh, working in different ways. Um, so, so it started. You showed up, and we had a roll and write. We were required to finish. For I say it like we're like forced to. We have a roll and write for a publisher uh, that we needed to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tell them what happened the first day you showed up with it, and we play tested it in person
0: yeah we're like all right let's play test this in person see what bugs we need to work out and we sat down and played it and we're like oh it's it's a game yeah sell it
1: <laughs> yeah um i i think that it's a game that is going to need some a little development um yeah. just from a but it, it needs somebody outside of kelly and i to really look at it we did a lot of online play testing with it um or like half online to where you know we were playing uh no i guess we did it all online didn't we yeah yeah we did do it all online i was thinking we were like rolling dice and stuff but we weren't with this one um and so we've got two of those done but we realized like oh this is an awesome problem to have but what are we going to work on now hmm. um and we have a backlog of games that we've worked on that are in different various stages uh and kelly said do you do you want to work on one of those do you don't work on something new and i said let's work on something that we can only do because you're here in person rather than something that we could easily do online. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that resonated with both of us because there's a difference, right? Big time.
0: Yeah. So yeah, then we were talking about things that don't necessarily seem like they go together either. So we decided on um, uh, dexterity and worker placement.
1: Yes. Yeah. um, Dexterity because that was kind of the easy low hanging fruit, right? Of, hey, we're together in person, um, let's do something like dexterity because we can 100% – We you can – there are some programs where you can absolutely simulate dexterity uh, online, but it is not easy and it is it is certainly a simulation. It's not um, – it is not one-for-one one and, and it can be really, really tough – Trying to, we've worked yeah. on that before, where we've yeah. had a couple of games with the little dexterity elements, and and it was a pain in the butt and unhelpful for the most part.
0: Yeah, it wasn't very satisfying because a, a big part of the any dexterity game is the tactile nature of the uh, mm-hmm. the pieces and how they interact with the surface when you toss them, if it's a tossing thing or how they interact with each other. And you don't, right? You don't get that
1: on right, play. right? And so our game involves tossing and sliding and flicking and all sorts of things and and that just would have been really hard to approximate um in an online environment and uh also our game plays in 20 minutes or less with two players i feel like maybe 30 at the most but it's i think it's six around 20 usually Mm -hmm. and um you know i think one um uh one issue with that is that had we been playing that on an online even if it was perfect um it would have taken the game i bet would have been a 40 plus minute game Yeah, like trying to play it and we would have had a very very uh broken idea of what type of you know how the game was playing uh mm-hmm. lengthwise obviously also just physically <laughs> yeah <laughs> but
0: yeah well especially because yeah what we were talking about before there's no um <laughs> no real substitute for that tactile nature and how the the uh, Sources interact, but but yeah, the fiddliness of tossing things online takes so much longer because there were times on part of our game where we we're taking turns tossing things and we realized we were taking like one or two seconds a pop to, to get it because we know as intuitive as using a computer is nowadays and especially for the majority of the audience and majority of people we know that have grown up using them, it's still not as intuitive as your own body.
1: Yeah. Right. It's not. Yeah. At all. Um, and, you know, also just with, the, with our game, we moved around the table a lot, you mm-hmm. know, walking in circles around the table as you're tossing stuff. Um, and well, you can do that with a digital table. You can spin the table, you can move it. It's still, it's not the same. It just, yeah. you know, um, along with the, you know, using your body to throw things and move things. It's just, it's very different. So, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, we settled on the idea of worker placement uh, and dexterity. And then I said, you know, we've done a lot of route building games. Like, let's try to make some, like, route building connections um, mm-hmm. with, with that. Um, so, because that seemed odd uh, as a thing to do. And I think, you know, the next step was we as we started to like brainstorm. So I guess we'll just talk through the brainstorm. Yeah. Um we thought it would be fun if you were creating things. I think that was the next thing we said like what if you were making connections to create things. Yeah. Um and that was where you came up with a theme.
0: Yeah, the alchemy? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Making uh, the connections between elements to try to create new uh, amalgamations and new elements.
1: Yep, yep. And so Once we had that, then it it was like, okay, so now we have, we know we're doing alchemy, so we've got the four elements. Um, How do we want to connect those? Um, And we went back and forth on this one a little bit because we were trying to think about, um, like, I think you originally envisioned us connecting elements directly. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, you know, if you have four elements and you place them in basically a plus sign. Um, certain elements are going to be closer to the other, and certainly going to be farther away and harder to connect. Um, and we weren't exactly sure how that would work. Yeah. Um. So I came up with a placement idea of just putting those in a plus sign and putting what we decided to call the catalyst, which is now the catalyst crystal, mm-hmm. in the center of that space. So essentially, you're never connecting elements to each other. You're connecting two or more elements to a catalyst, which then triggers that um, explosion of things, you know, being created.
0: Yeah. And that worked out well because we were also concerned about spacing for that. Um, Yep. Not just with the elements being too far apart uh, from certain elements being further apart than others, but also just being able to make sure we get connections within there because we are building the path with dexterity. So build the path by tossing cards onto the table to try to connect one thing through another. So anything more than a few inches becomes a lot more difficult than you think it's gonna be, especially after we did some playtesting.
1: Right. Yeah, and that is, you know, you know, because you're tossing the cards trying to make those connections. And we didn't want to have to have an enormous deck of cards. We wanted it to be a smaller deck of cards.
0: And we didn't want it to take twenty minutes just to make the connection just to make that connecting round right right
1: um so so we kind of played around with that a little bit and and i think you know one of the next things we talked about was was like okay we need pieces for this like we need what are we connecting what are the tokens we're connecting and um i think our original thought was like we'll just use cards and then we were like well we can't use cards because the cards are going to fly everywhere as you toss other cards at them um cuz that's how physics works. Um so I was like, well I have a 3D printer, what if we 3D print some stuff? So um so we hopped on Thingiverse and found um uh a fire silhouette, uh a rock that I cut down to turn it into like a rock silhouette, uh a cloud silhouette and um finally uh a water splat. So What grew out of that was, um, you know, so let's pause for a sec here. So I think we'll come back to this. So what grew out of that was the shapes ended up being different. The fire, when you, if you orientate the fire, when you put it in so that the flames are facing in, when you're trying to make these connections, these flaming tendrils are are in Mm -hmm. with the water, because it literally is shaped like a splat all spread out. You've got, um, it's easier to get underneath it, right? The rock is just a big solid
0: thing. Go ahead. I was going to make a note that when we say underneath it, we realized trying to make connections when it was flat on the table was not working because it would hit up against it and then move the plastic piece. So uh, Jason had the idea of elevating it just a couple millimeters and that allows the cards to slide underneath slightly. And then, yes.
1: Yeah. And that, that was a whole process too, where we, you know, so we're making these connections. We've, we realized that yes, if this flat piece of of or uh, of uh, filament, uh, 3D printed filament, is sitting on the table, when you hit it with a card, it just bumps it away. So we did. We created like a one million, a two millimeter um, lifter that was glued to the bottom, and that worked better. Mm-hmm. But the issue we had was filament is still slidey, so when you would toss the card, it would still bump it a little bit. Um, so, so that was a problem. So then we said, well, what can we do next for that? So the next kind of iteration with that was getting these sticky feet, um, which are basically just cabinet bumpers, uh, the little clear silicone ones. Uh, the ones we got are, I, and I could find at the store, were flat, and still a little slippery. <laughs> so, um, so we ended up needing to those. W- w- we waiting for the next iteration, which is the like the silicone bumps that will actually grip better. Yeah.
0: Grip better and they're better for shock absorption. So they will actually like take the impact of the card and guide the card down into the table as opposed to, because they're also not flat. Right. So they will provide a slightly better, um, slightly better dynamic.
1: Right. Along with the printing, you know, we, um, we came up with this catalyst thing in the middle. What's that going to be? So at first it was just going to be a disc. Um, and, and, you know, that, so like a flat disc, like it was going to be different shaped. It, it was basically an octagon little platform yeah. we made.
0: Um, go ahead. Oh yeah. But then we had the convergence of ideas because we tried that and it it's okay. But we realized we had the issue of how are we going to place the creations that we make? Because when we make the create, when we make the connections, Elements get created, uh, creations get made. Which know, are little there.
1: circular tokens that we 3D printed. Yeah. And so then And cubes.
0: With any sort of placement, it's like, well, who do we let place them? Blah, 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 blah. How do we do that? And um, I think it was, you had the idea if we just raised the... I don't know you were me. Had the idea of turning that catalyst we had in the center into something that would spread them out. Yeah, like
1: an actual like 3D printed delivery system where you would drop the tokens, you know, basically you would put your hand on top of of this catalyst thing in the middle, let go and it would then spread the tokens out in the play area randomly um or haphazardly to fit with the game. Um so we 3D printed an umbrella um like a I don't know if it's like a dollhouse umbrella or something but we 3D printed that. Um and for a first draft that worked surprisingly well. Um, it really, you know, it wasn't a catalyst crystal, uh, it was a catalyst umbrella, uh, but it was working and we went through a couple iterations of that trying to size it, um, to get it to, to spread the tokens. And then there's some cubes, which we'll get to that in a bit, um, that also were getting dropped each round and, um, and really like that's, um, figuring that out made a big difference in, in how the game worked and how to keep it random. Um, but essentially, we were solving problems as we went in inventive ways. And and so one of the things I, I want to point out about that, this is kind of, I think, a big takeaway lesson here is we kind of decided pretty quickly that this game was going to be bigger and ridiculous. Uh, we came up with the name Haphazard. Ha, we were wanted it to be Haphazard Magic or Haphazard Alchemy. And we came up with Haphaza, Haphazra cadabra. So the Gabra mixed with Haphazard. It's got some dashes in there, some hyphens in there to make it so it's easy to pronounce because otherwise it was just too big of a word. Uh, But with the hyphens in there, it's pretty easily recognizable. Mm -hmm. Um, So the idea around that was to let that theme drive the decisions and to not be limited by components. That's something that happens a lot, right? As designers, I, I know I think about it and harass Kelly about it when we say, like, let's add this to the game. Like. What does that do to the components, right? How many new components does that add? Uh, What does that do to the box size and things like that? Mm -hmm. It's something that's just like, it's, I always feel like it's in my mind more than it should be,
0: you know? Yeah. And coming from indie publishing and publishing small games, it's something you have to think about a lot because boxes are freaking expensive. Yeah. And
1: and parts are expensive. Things that aren't cards or cubes are expensive. Yeah.
0: Uh, although it's important you did mention the box because one of the other issues with having any sort of dexterity placement game or game where you've got to have pieces placed on the table is ID, you place them randomly, how do you decide where to place them, all of that. And we realized with the cards, it worked out almost serendipitously with the size we printed the catalyst and the elements and the size of the standard deck of playing cards. Uh, if you just set, what is it, 10 inch box? it's
1: about a 10 to 11 inch box yeah so yeah. it's kind of like a standard medium box size like a medium square box
0: yeah um yeah. yeah you set that on the table set an element to each corner and then you set pick it up and set the catalyst in the center and it's it's the perfect distance and throughout the game things get moved a little bit and
1: we toyed with how do we make sure that it's even and realize that eyeballing it is enough after that Mm -hmm. um and it's kind of funny that you're eyeballing it and that one might be slightly farther away than the other but it's never enough to actually matter or make a difference in your connections um but so i think the big thing we did was we just we said let's just make this game be what it wants to be we're going to 3d print a bunch of crazy pieces uh and we're going to try to figure out how to make that game work and and i'll be completely honest like when we came up with this idea i thought this is going to be a silly fun experiment we're going to learn from it and that very well may be it right Mm -hmm. and within two play tests we were like this game is more fun than it has any right to be like this is actually a fun good game
0: yeah because with elements we included uh later it's not just the dexterity thing one we added multiple dexterity elements focusing on yep. tactile interaction of pieces making sure we had pieces that felt very different in the way they were used uh, so even outside of that you still have to think about what you're doing you still have to think about the goals you're trying to achieve and where they so there's a little bit of actual thought and strategy that has to go into it and there are times where jason has one uh play test because he'll abandon what he was trying to go for just to get the smaller bonus that he can get. Yeah. Yeah. But those are into the nitty gritty rules which we'll get to eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Teasers.
1: So Uh, the, so the next thing that we decided was, you know, um, this comes back to the worker placement part, right? So we're using dexterity to place workers. So as we mentioned, or Kelly mentioned, you know, when you create these creations and basically each connection, each time you make a connection between two things, It's going to essentially create four things that are going to fall onto the board. Um, And we'll explain more about those later, but two are tokens, two are cubes. And now you have to try and collect them. And what we knew was we wanted it to not just be you connected them. So you earn them, right? We wanted a little bit of that. And we did end up, we're baking in some rules to make that be the case uh, for some stuff. But in general, overall, you make the connections. You create these tokens and these cubes, and now you have to collect them. And we knew that we wanted um, a dex a dexterous way to connect them. And we started with four ideas, which were a hand, uh, an orb. The orb at that point was a disc, basically. Yeah. Um, a uh. Crow? a crow Pop. yeah which is like it's basically a bird silhouette with outstretched wings it almost looks like a seagull fly in flight you know yeah. um and then finally uh a, another splat much like the water splat but it is a slimy splat so the next you know so we're trying to figure out how are we gonna collect these we've got these four tokens and at first it was just toss these tokens uh and try to touch a one of the cubes or one of the tokens that are on the board after you toss these workers. Uh and if you do, then you you get to collect it, right? And very quickly that felt fun, but we were like, these four need to feel completely different. Um and they need to be balanced in that difference. And mm-hmm. um and we tried a lot of iterations on that. I one of the things we got lucky with right away was so the idea was you never collect more than one thing per round um, was how it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we very quickly learned that uh that, uh, that we needed them unique. So we made the crow was the first one we changed. It's called the clockwork crow. And it's like this little automaton crow that you have um, as these like magic items. And so uh, you draft to pick those. So if you pick the crow, you get to toss it and it could hit something. Um, but no matter whether it hits something and you collect it or not, after you toss it, you get to flick it from where it landed to try to possibly get a second item. Um, the way it works out is you usually get one item. Yeah. (laughs) And when you get two, you feel really clever. Um, and from there, we tried a bunch of other ideas with the other things, but like you, you were the first one to say, like the crow is the gold standard. This works. It is fun. These other collection mechanics need to balance with that because that is perfect yeah. and we should keep that
0: yeah and, and it did work out that way the uh mm-hmm. the next one that really felt natural was the slime because we decided you should slide the slime yep and that just because it's so much easier to hit a target with the sliding thing than uh-huh. it is to toss uh, already made it much more accurate uh, and then we added a thing later to help balance it that if you managed to hit more than one with the slime you can collect more than one yeah because the
1: idea is the slime sticks to things so if if you can basically like you know uh slide it and like play pinball by having it bounce off more than one item which again is not easy to do it's very difficult to do that um but if you do you feel awesome but if you're pretty much you will if unless you slide poorly you will hit one thing yeah um and that's what we want we want you to collect the one thing
0: yeah the next the one that took the well the next one that was the easiest was you had the the idea of the hand to just be your guarantee to get something at the table yep. but you go last
1: so if you draft the magic hand um that that ability is that you go last in the round so if everyone collects something and there's nothing left which could happen you're going to get nothing very unlikely there's always going to be a minimum of four things on the board um at the start of the round. So the idea that the other three people collect all those is unlikely, but as long as they don't, you get to automatically just take something that's left. Um, We don't allow you to use that in two players because it's too easy because there's always something good left (laughs) in two players. Um, And then finally the, the orb, which was a disc, we went through a lot of iterations with that. Um, It started off, we thought it would be so easy to just toss it because it was bigger than everything else that you would be able to hit stuff. So instead of just collecting it, it made a copy of it. It was the mirroring orb. So it would just make a copy of whatever it hit. You'd take the copy and leave whatever was out there. Um, And that was not balanced because it turns out it was just as hard to hit things with that
0: as the other. In fact, it seemed to bounce higher. Yes. So it kept going over everything yeah yeah
1: Yeah. that's one where if you could have slit it you would have hit all the things but it would have been too easy then um so we went back and forth
0: on that and then decided to try a ball yeah we're like well if it's an orb why don't we try rolling it that would be a different kind of uh very different tactile experience so we did
1: a, a one game test with a ping pong ball um liked how it felt but felt that it was too light. Mm-hmm. so three d printed a ball um, that worked great. Um, the issue we had with that was it was still kind of hard to hit things. So, um, so we changed it to be that if you roll it and you um and you hit uh, an item, you collect it but you could also roll it to hit one of the element the base element spaces like the um the the regular base elements around the outside of the board and you get to collect something special if you hit that which is pretty much you're always able to do that if you want to what you collect is not as good as if you were to hit one of the tokens but it is something that means that like you can always get what you need yeah um so so they feel super balanced now and even in a two player game we found that uh, again, not choosing the hand because it wasn't allowed. um We found that um we were picking between the three equally because it was always just like I'm going to use the crow. Whoever went first drafted the crow, right? <laughs> um But it, it, we found that that wasn't the case anymore. Yeah, because we were able to balance them, and that just went through a lot of a lot of play testing, really, and forcing mm. ourselves to be like, why don't I want to use this one? Like, and then talking about it at the end of the game, like. I don't want to use this. Why? And trying to figure out how do we make it better? Again, saying the crow works. How do we make it work that well?
0: Yeah. And that was uh, absolutely the way we approached it. And yeah, because it would always go in the order of crow slime. And then we'd never, ever, ever use the orb until we no, the changes. Cause we never had
1: to. Yeah. Now we use the orb when we think we need what the orb can get us. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the next thing we, we one of the things we decided right in the beginning was we wanted to have clients like basically coming to you, your shop and saying like, hey, I want to buy these things. So what you end up with are order cards or client cards that basically list, you know, different things that you can um, create. So they want either a specific item created, um, which will be one of the tokens that's created by one of the by the element combos. Or they want some essence, which are these, like, elemental cubes you can get. Um, They want some combination of things. And that, honestly, I think is where we did the most development and tweaking work of trying to make those scores. Basically, you can score one through eight. Mm -hmm. One being if you just sell something um, because you ran out of space. Because you can only keep three items at the end of a round. Um, If you have more than that, you just basically turn it in for one point. But every order goes from two all the way up to eight. Um, Yeah. And the game is played currently to 20 points. Um,
0: Yeah. And that's given us a good round count. Yeah.
1: Yep. It has. And, you know, it's one of those games where at the end of the round, if someone has scored 20 or more points, the person who scored the most points wins. Um, And we, but I think we knew we were onto something really good when we were taking the time to balance those, develop those, uh, client cards. Like that's what we cared about. And that was telling us that everything else was working. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Cause we made the dexterity things. We made a lot of small changes at the beginning that made it very satisfying. Uh, like early on Jason mentioned essence, we realized for only creating two things around, in a four-player game, three or four-player game, at least one person's getting hosed almost every time. Yeah, yeah. So we decided that it should add an essence of the element in there as well, kind of like extra stuff. Right. You could get up, and those are unstable; those go away at the end of the round. The creations are stable enough that they'll stick around round after
1: Yeah. Rounded, so rounded. those those tokens you create, you actually pick those up at the end of the round if they're still there, set them off to the side, and then redistribute them with the new things created. Um, and so that is uh, that was. Oh, kind of a big revelation in making the game be more balanced. Yeah. Um because as you get in further rounds, if people are getting hosed, it just continues to crowd the field so that people are no longer getting hosed because there's yeah. more and more stuff there. Um we also added that if you're the one who makes a connection with the cards at the beginning, you get a free essence of the kind you connected. Um which just basically keeps players cycling through items yeah. um so that they're constantly able to earn points so that yeah. every round you're like at least two points are getting earned every single round If nothing else happens two points are getting earned
0: and we say that because every essence and creation can be sold because you can only hold on to three uh items outside of the round essence or creation but every essence or creation can be sold for one point right so you never have leftover stuff right all the all of the clients are balanced in such that they give you more than a one for one ratio
1: yeah yep and that's the idea yeah we worked really hard on figuring out kind of the core cost of everything and how to balance those scores more than i think i have on a game in a long time where we were really like trying to be like okay how do we make this work perfectly and you know um
0: yeah and they and you do think about it uh, a lot like well one i really liked the addition we made of collecting the essence when you made the connection because it made the path building that much more focused right and there was at least one playtest jason won because he won the last play test by only three points and he had sold some stuff yeah and he had won because there were multiple times when i was almost done with the connection for an element he didn't even want or need and he was just like yeah there, boom one point yeah. yeah yeah i might as well
1: take a free point yeah um, um
0: so it added in a lot of balance. One, giving you an option to get something even if you're not the game's not going your way, so you don't feel right. completely hosed. Right. And two, uh, makes you focus more on actively. It adds some pressure to the connections. Right.
1: Yeah. So before we pitch the game, I, I want to talk a little bit about the process of us meeting and stuff. So this was the other thing. You know, it's been a long time since we've been able to like meet in person consistently. Um, you know, we usually meet once a week online, and we get some stuff done. But it's it's difficult, you know, like it's difficult to try in an hour's time or two hours time to get all the work done you want to get done. Yeah. And then you, you know, we both take do takeaways and work on stuff afterwards, and that's great. We come back, we've got them done. But that said, it still isn't. Um, it's not enough to uh, really feel like we are making the big progress whereas meeting twice a week for two to four hours i'm mean, actually three to five hours i would say each yeah. each go round has allowed us to really just storm through changes you know and it's like yeah. okay we play tested this what are we going to change so w- basically our day would start with um once we got the prototype done enough to where we could play it every i think every day we started with we you'd get here i'd already have the game set up and we would play a round of the game Mm -hmm. um and sometimes two generally just one usually that gave us enough feedback we'd come downstairs to my office make rules changes um make score changes and things um decide what we needed a 3d prints and stuff like that and then we would just kind of work through different pieces maybe grab lunch (laughs) you know and uh and then for the next time it would be like, hey, Kelly, go pick up. We need ping pong balls. We need cards. So Kelly would go get that stuff. And then I would 3D print any new items that we needed um, for the next iteration of the game. So that when you came back two days later, we could sit down and immediately start playing again. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and I found that process really, really useful. It was. Um, there's being able to come back fresh and being able to spend that much time without having to try to cram as much thought and Mm -hmm. that giving the act, having the actual space and air for the organic creative thought to come through. Yeah. was very nice. And then having the ability to just spend and hammer for a few hours at a go at it and have that kind of structured come in, test it, let it figure out what we want to change, then let it rest and come back fresh. Right, right. Test that come back with a fresh mind. Um really, really proved very fruitful.
1: It did, it did. And it allowed us to do something that I don't feel like you get to do a lot of times when you are um when you're, you know, trying to get prepped for a convention or something, you get one play test in, and you know, and now you need to make these changes for the next next week's play test or whatever. It allowed us to make tiny changes.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um tiny iteration changes as we were going because we knew we could test it again so sometimes that was you know i think yesterday actually or not yet two days ago when we did our final real play test um we uh we immediately after the play test i pulled out all of our client cards and we laid them out we kind of laid out the distribution and said what's not working here what feels weird because i was like this feels weird these certain things are worth this and other things are worth that and it just doesn't feel balanced and we were pretty quickly able to say this is the problem these are good this is not good mm-hmm. and we just changed it we just wrote on the cards and changed it and then tested it again and we're like boom this is it this this yeah. this feels like it needs to feel um to the point where today being our last day we knew we were going to record an episode but we were going to play test and we said you know what i i don't think we actually need to we were testing out the new catalyst that we made because we switched from an umbrella to kind of a pointy crystal thing for the center uh the first one i printed was a deadly weapon um like it was so sharp uh it was like this is not safe for children or adults really
0: it, it's you blunted at some and it's still yeah unpleasantly yeah. sharp
1: so i printed a second one that was less sharp but we were like oh okay you know we we Basically, we took some tokens, we dropped them in there, and we're like, "No, this is uh, this is not working this way." <laughs> so I've got it queued up that we're gonna print after this, and then uh, we'll probably print. You know, when we finish this, we'll print it. We'll go to lunch. We'll come back. It'll be done, and then we can um, mess around with it again and try to uh, and try to see. I think maybe we'll do one more play test this afternoon if we have time for it, just to see what it feels like with all the pieces now, you know, in play and then go from there uh yeah you know And this so w- this game like if i was going to a convention next week i would pitch this game like we feel that good about it um and we certainly need to do some higher number of player higher player count play tests um but we've already also have some ideas on how to make that work we've already kind of talked through of we could put out extra of certain things, you know, like, oh, right now it creates one token for each. It could create two tokens for each if that became a
0: problem. Yeah, um, yeah on four player we might have to, uh, mm-hmm. if it proves that, because three player, given how often one or both of us didn't get something on our first throw, or at least a creation on our first yeah, throw, yeah, three player, I think the third player will fairly consistently get something they need, Yeah, uh, but fourth player, yeah, four player we might need to have two right. essences right. per connection. And
1: for us. And certainly it'll go more rounds with yeah. three and four players, uh and that's something else we can do where we could scale down the number of points you need at the end of the game to end the game uh I'm not a huge fan of that, but it's possible that we could do that if we had
0: to. I'm not actually too sure it'll go more rounds with multiple players because we can only get so many items per thing, so unless People are limited by their goals, which every right. player would have to be limited right. by their goals. Right. The flow of items out of the center is going to be the same for each player, no matter the number of players. It's just the quality of the items potentially for the. Later That's players. true.
1: That's a fair point. Yeah. And so, speaking of the goal cards or the client cards, like with those, um, we uh, went back and forth on how to deliver those to the players because there were a few games where I was like, "Wow, I have." really crappy ones or that are difficult, more difficult, which, so they're great if I can do them. Uh, but if I can't do them, then like, you know, I'm kind of stuck. So Kelly came up with a great idea of at the beginning of the game, it's draw five, keep three, which I think that's kind of like the ticket to ride yeah, that's system. Yeah. The
0: exact uh, reference um, I used. I <laughs> was it? Actually, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So, um, I knew ticket to ride did something like that. Um, and then every time you complete a goal, uh, you then take it and you uh, draw two more, uh, and then put one back. And uh, that once we switch to that, I don't know about you. I I never felt stuck with goals. Oh yeah, I always felt like I had enough choices. Um, and the the goals are spread out enough. I think the hardest goals that we have are simply the that's you need one creation, but it's specific what you need. Um, and those are worth six points. So they're on the high end of the scale. Um, and they could be very easy if, if you get the connection you need, make the thing you need, and then are able to collect it. Yeah. Um, but that's not guaranteed. Um, so those are a little risky to take, but they are worth more points. Um, and that was, those were, I think were the hardest ones to balance because it was trying to make them worth enough more points that they were attractive, but not enough to where it was broken if you drew that card and already happened to have that thing sitting in your storage. yeah, um, Which does not happen very often because you can only have two things in your storage. It's Three, three things, sorry, three things yeah. in your storage. It's not,
0: you will generally have essence cubes in your storage. That's yeah. the most likely thing you have. And, um,
1: that's,
0: and That's not just because essence cubes are more common. They are more common, but also uh, it's one of the highest points things you can get and one of the highest point clients you can get is an eight point thing for having one of each essence.
1: Yeah. One of each of the four elements of essence. And that is hard to get, obviously, because you have to have three of them in your hand and then get the fourth on one round because you can't have more than four three at the end of the round. So, um, but it is doable, especially when we made it so that the orb made it a little easier to get the element that you needed yeah. or the uh, essence that you needed. Um, well let's let's pitch the game um we've been like dancing around it let's uh let's right. kind of pitch the game and how it works so i'll start and you fill in as we go how's huh? Sound that good sounds great um so the name of the game is haphazard cadabra and uh what you're trying to do as we've stated is you are attempting to make creations uh out of uh combinations of elements so at the setup, you're going to take your uh, Catalyst Crystal, put it in the middle, use the box to um, make the four elements be at the corners of the box, pick the box up, put the Catalyst Crystal in, and then everybody is given five cards, uh, Sigil cards we call them. So they're basically, they're, right now we're just using it poker cards. Um, and it doesn't matter who has what. Uh, there are five for each player, however, in a... Um, it is broken down differently based on player count. So in a two player game, each get 10, there are 20 cards in total three player game. Everybody would get six and a four player game. Everybody gets five. And what happens with those cards is pretty simple. You stand back at the edge of the table, kind of like the table is lava rules. uh, And you toss the cards trying to make a connected, uh, unbroken connection between an element and the catalyst in the middle. Mm -hmm. And whenever two or more of those have been combined um then you create it it, there's a there's a reaction uh and it creates that so a couple notes about that one is when i connect one element to the catalyst in the middle of the board i immediately get to take a a cube an essence cube of the element that i connected so if it was fire i take a fire cube i put it in my in my storage and that's mine. It will never go away unless I choose to sell it or use it. Um, and then when when the next one is created, that person will get that essence, which will be anything but fire. Because you can only do connect the one each time. Um, and then you'll have that reaction. Now, every once in a while, you run out of cards before you make that double connection. It's, it's only happened to us a couple times. Yeah. So when it does, we just pick the cards back up and start the round over. You keeping whoever was able to make the first connection and get the essence, they keep that. Which is a little bonus. It doesn't happen very often. um, And it doesn't feel bad when it happens.
0: Um, Well, yeah, because as we said earlier, the tossing rounds, the the connection round goes pretty quickly because there's not... It's about two minutes or less. It's it's real fast. Yeah, So it doesn't feel like you've lost a big chunk of your game time.
1: No, and it happens so infrequently that it's just, it doesn't feel like a big deal. Um, but we opted for that instead of putting more cards in now a publisher may look at this and say, you know what, I'm just going to give it. So everybody has 10 cards and this will never happen. And that's fine too. Um, that was one spot where we felt limiting the cards was more fun than not. Yeah. Um, it would honestly, if you made it 24 cards instead of 20, that would probably never happen again Mm -hmm. because there'd be, everyone would always have six, you know, six or 12 cards. So, um, Actually, no, you would always use twenty-four then because yeah. twelve and twelve, eight and eight, eight, and then and then uh 6,
0: There we um,
1: go. Um so okay, so what happens when you create the thing? Well, what we did was we came up with um one elemental creation um for every connection. So um and actually there's two for every connection, right? So yeah. So there are, th- there are three elements that are air-based, like air-centric, right? Um, and that is an air and a fire, an air and a water, and an air and an earth. And then they're all like that. So when you make a connection between the two, um, you've now created uh, the earth-air token and the air-earth token, right? Um, and then also you will put out an essence of air and an essence of earth. You'll hold them above the catalyst. You kind of like pinch your hand just at the top of the catalyst point, let go, and it beautifully <laughs> spreads them around the board, Um, kind of generally within the kind of the elements. Yeah. Every once in a while, you get an outlier, which is cool because that is easier to collect, but will 100% be the only thing you collect. Yeah. Um. Now I say two or more connections because there's a chance, though this has never happened in a two player play test, but there is a chance that let's say that you've got fire has been connected and then air and earth are heading in to connect. Um, and they've kind of joined part way up and they're both just missing the catalyst. If I happen to toss a card in that then slid in and connected both of those lines to the catalyst, you would have a triple reaction. The only difference is the person who made the connection now gets two essences, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Again, this is incredibly rare. Um, And then uh, after that, uh, it creates six tokens because it's going to create a token for every connection. So it's going to create, let's say it was fire, air, and water. It's going to create the fire, water, fire, air, uh you know and water fire water air air fire air water um so you'll have six tokens going out and three essence cubes yep um if that happens once in a game you have infinitely like sped up the game but it's so rare uh i'll be interested to see i think four players is where it's most likely to happen if we're all going for different things i think that's more likely to happen um but i I think, you know, and I think we agree on this,
0: it'll be one of those, ah, moments yeah. where it's like, wow. Um, You'll be able to see the possibilities. So right. the, the tension that that will create leading yes. up to that will be beautiful.
1: And because people were trying to connect multiple elements at the same time, every, like everyone's getting what they want at that point. So yeah. it fills the board with a lot more things to connect. And uh, it'll feel like a really cool thing when it happens, I believe. so you've created the elements um so now what happens is you take them you pinch you drop boom they go onto the board now we draft our workers so whoever was the person who started tossing the cards first um they uh will draft last for the worker so um so what will happen and that play always rotates to the left so each round a new person does the first thing so um so I'm going to draft, and I've got the four choices, and we'll just go over them again. You've got the Clockwork Crow. That you can toss in an item, and if it and then it lands. If it hits it, you get the item immediately. If it doesn't, that's fine. It lands. You then get to flick the, the crow. And one of the things I, I want to point out about the crow that's so fun is because it's not a disc, because it's this weird-shaped crow, everyone, which is basically at this point just you, me, and then my son Josiah – When they went to flick it, they said, this is easy to flick. And then we flicked it and said, this is
0: not easy to flick because it, it, it's, it's, tends to act weird when you flick it. Yeah, because if you don't hit the center of mass perfectly, right, and because and at an angle where it's going to be a straight edge, like there's only one angle you can flick it to get it go reliably straight, and that's right, right from the back of the right. tail. Otherwise it spins wildly and then goes off to the one side or the other. But if you once you get used to that, you yeah. can absolutely target. You just have to understand
1: that your accuracy range is is, is not the longest. <laughs> um then there's the slime yeah the slime um that works like a um like a pinball almost you slide it and the slime is uh smaller than the crow it's slightly smaller but you're like it's sliding is really easy you can be dead accurate with it and if you can get it to like if you can get it to pinball off a couple things you get both of those things um you could get i mean you could theoretically get all the things with that if somehow there was a cluster like but it it just doesn't happen that
0: way it would be so difficult to do because the the because it's smaller and the shape of it with all the indents and yeah yeah it weighs about the same as one of the creation tokens yeah so when it hits it they both go off and it loses a lot of momentum it's very croquet (laughs) so if you you manage to get it to do that you've you've earned it (laughs) yeah 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 i think we've
1: done it once each maybe yeah um next we have the absorbing orb is what it's called now which is the ball. So the way that works is is pretty cool. You roll it and if it touches 5 items over the course of the time, you get to pick whatever those 5 items you want. That's what you get to keep. But you do not get all of the items. But the the magic of the absorbing orb that makes it unique and really cool is if I roll it and at one point during my roll it hits one of the base elements the big you know the the big element parts i could instead um choose to just take an essence of that element um and we added that because uh, two things we needed the orb to do something unique and fun but the other thing is we needed the orb to um we needed a way for you to get a specific essence because sometimes you get screwed out of essences if fire keeps not getting connected and i'm trying to create uh finish that that eight point goal card of one of each essence like i tried for a whole game and couldn't do it
0: well i was actively preventing you from doing that because
1: i knew right yeah you knew that i was trying to do that so because we were not playing with so the goals are considered to be secret in the real game but for play testing we were keeping them obvious so that we could kind of see um so the absorbing orb making that decision was super fun and we actually did try and say it could collect two things that it touched and that was too much so but this was a good change it felt good and then finally the hand um for the hand if you draw that if you pick that you you draft last automatically um and then you uh can just take any item left over whether that is an essence or a token but only one and you don't even flick it you just have the hand you pick one up with your hand your hand is the magic hand um so after that's done Now we take our creations uh, and our essences and everything we've collected. We look at our goals to see, uh, which, as we said before, you've drawn five goals at the beginning, kept three of them. We see if we can complete any goals. You can complete as many goals as you want in a round, um, because that will only slow you down the next round, uh, because you'll use all your stuff. Uh, And you have a player tableau that has a score tracker on it, and it also has three basins, copper basins, that you can put um, items in, whether it's creation or essence, uh, to store. So at the end of the round, you have to be down to just three. uh, And then any extras, you automatically sell. So there's no, like, choosing to do that. Like, you just pick which ones you want to keep. The extras are immediately sold. So that felt really good because it was very, like, if you are skillful enough to get multiple things collected uh, on your throws, you should be rewarded for that, not penalized. And we also had an instance where, like, i got i was it was the game where i was going for the the four uh essences and i in the last round got a creation that i didn't need and was gonna have to just throw it away which felt really not fun right yeah um it was like gosh like i've got this cool creation but i don't need it for my goals i'm just literally it meant nothing and what it did was it would, in, could encourage me to block you just like to be a jerk uh, because I can't get anything. So I might as well make it bad for you. Yeah. So we just added that in, in addition to essences, you can just sell a creation for one. Um, and that felt really good at the end of the game. Worst case, you might get a bonus three points. It's very unlikely. Yeah. Um, but if somebody ends the game, if you end the game with three things or even four or five things and nothing to no goals to finish you can literally just sell those and get five points which is about the at which is the average price of a goal like the average point value of a goal so it's you've way overspent to get those five points but
0: it feels balanced
1: and it feels not punishing which is what we
0: were going for yeah and usually if you're in one of the people not going out with a goal, you have those extra things because you do collect them over this course of the game. You may as well hold on to them. You know, and like you said, if somebody's going out with a big goal, they're not going to have anything to sell, so it kind of gives a little bit. Right, of- right,
1: right. But- and as for the goal cards, the way those are broken down is uh, I'm not going to go over the point values, but the different types of goals. There's only like seven types of goals. There's any two essence, any three essence. There's any creation containing a certain element. So with each of those, there are going to be six elements. Like if it's any creation containing air, it'll be the three main air-based elements and the mixed elements with each other one. Yeah. So the air, earth, air, fire, air, water. So those are worth less points, but you know it requires a pretty wide range of creations. There is a specific... Cre- oh, no, the next there is... um. What's five? oh yeah? There's that's that's the three essences. Um, then there is a specific essence or creation. A creation, sorry, which says I need this specific creation. Um, so there's only one in the game like that, and then there is, um, the uh, there's any two creations, which means any two creations doesn't matter what they're made of, and then finally there is one of each type of essence, um, and they all feel worthwhile and rewarding for their point values yeah. um which like i said before that was something we worked really hard to develop into something that that fits and felt good mm-hmm. um and then uh after that you 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 score your points and the game ends when somebody has hit 20 points at the end of that round Uh you only earn points during that phase um so there's no like oh i'm gonna sell this you know ahead of time like to try to like push the game to the end Everyone will get an equal number of turns um, and chances to sell. And uh, most of the games, we've had no ties yet, but most of the games come out within three to five points. Basically, we always say within one card of, you know, one goal card of winning.
0: Yeah, the only game that was a little bit larger spread would have been within three points if I'd gotten one more thing I needed to complete the last goal. Right, right. So it was... They've been really close. It's been pretty satisfying.
1: Well, and there was one game where you like destroyed me and it was the game actually that ended up making us realize that we needed to turn the orb into the absorbing orb to let you take an essence of your choosing because um, I was trying to save up to get the fire essence and never could pull it off because you kept blocking me. So I was, I mean, that was, at that point, those were worth 10 points. So like that was a huge swing. We dropped them to eight when we made it a little easier to get um and i really like that we have you know 1 point to sell anything and then 2 through 8 there's literally one goal for every point value all the way up to 8 um there are multiple copies of that goal but there's one specific type of goal for each point value which funny enough is something you suggested in the beginning and i was like i don't think the math works out on that and then you were totally right the math worked out perfectly on that and that's where we ended up at <laughs> um so so, but it took playtesting for us to to agree on that. To say, oh yeah, okay, yeah. this is a problem. Um, and I, the last thing I feel like we should point out is, like, when you're doing a playtest, you know, and you're getting feedback with a group of playtesters, one of the things I'm always worried about is, like, you you have to keep in mind is like when you have, say, three players play your game or even four, and you're watching them play it at the end of the game, you have to watch for what happened to each player to kind of decipher their feedback and decide how to take their feedback. Right? Like the player who crushed everyone probably has a decently positive opinion of the game. The player who got screwed over probably has a slightly negative opinion. That's not always true. Um, but I think most game designers who've run a lot of playtests will say that, yeah, you have to watch out for that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the reason why you never make a publisher, you never try to outsmart a publisher in a, in a pitch play test, Because you don't want them to leave the game feeling cruddy. Uh, it's why you try to do things that shows them the cool parts of the game while not, you know, grieving them <laughs> into hating your game. Um, and that's something that Kelly and I were really good at, I feel like. To communicating with during playtests to say like listen i know i just lost by a bunch of points and maybe i made poor choices but this felt unfun because of x y and z yeah do you agree even though you won by a lot of points and i feel like we were able to be pretty because we both came to each other oh, yeah. with that feedback yeah. on
0: different games yeah and i think that's also a great way to phrase it and think about it because the game is supposed to be fun right even if you don't win it should be fun, right, um so being able to say, like you said earlier when i when you were stuck with that thing and you couldn't do anything with it, this feels unfun, yeah, this needs to change, yeah, yeah, and coming to it with that mindset and thinking about it, well, yeah, you know what, if you're not feeling like you're having fun and you're clearly not having fun, then even though you know it was fun winning, I It right. needs yeah. to be yeah, this needs yeah. to be addressed, yeah, yeah, uh, although does make me think because you, you mentioned it's kind of a thing you think about with the if you win you think the game is great there's some actual psychological studies that back that up like there was one they did with monopoly to look at privilege where they set people up to win like you got extra money at the starts uh-huh yeah the other person got hindered they didn't get as much money pass and go that right. sort of thing and the person who got the privilege one every time, and they always attributed that to, their, to being a good player. To right? being a good player, yes, yeah. It's
1: it's the poker conundrum that I complain about. Where when I used to play poker with people, you would watch somebody make an absolutely bad call in poker. They'd make a bad bet. They'd go all in. They'd do something completely stupid, and then they would win by chance because that can happen, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the right card flips over uh you know there's a surprise there's an upset they win and suddenly the person who had a seven and a two the worst hand in texas Hold'em to start with now has you know like somehow has managed to get a full house and you who had pocket aces have ended up with with just your pocket aces and you've lost um and that feels really really crappy so um yeah that feels crappy and you know and that person gets the false feeling that like i'm the best and it's like you got lucky and what i hate about those moments it used to be what i used to hate about those moments was that i was like like i got beat by this person because of luck and now i'm annoyed because they think they're smart but but now like what it what grates me about it is is more they just learned a really bad lesson that is not going to suit them in the future, right? Like that's not going to happen every time.
0: Pre-parent and post-parent mentality.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Oh. So, um, yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, so that's what we've been up to, and uh, we've been really happy with the progress we've made, and I, I can't wait. I know a lot of uh, listeners that are going to yeah. be at Origins, and I'm excited to show them the game and. Give it a
0: try with you. Yeah. And if you're, I would say if you're ever in a position that you can try something like this, you've got local game designer and you just want to set up some time and follow through something. Well, do it. It's been wonderful working with Jason. It's been incredibly productive in this and it's really reignited my own creativity on a lot of my own games. So I think it's been amazing.
1: Yeah. Same, same, same with you. Like it's like getting a win like this to where you're like, wow, like this just worked. You know, because we've both had so many different designs we've worked on and we've worked on with ourselves, with each other, with other game designers, like you're just like, my gosh, um, you know, like this is disheartening because we keep running into, oh, now this is a problem and oh, now this is a problem. And that somehow, even though that started to happen with this, we were able to just creatively work around those problems. And I, I credit a lot of that to being together, being able to do it you know, multiple times a week working on the sessions, but also just the idea that like we said, we're just going to do what we need to do for this game and not worry about the marketability marketability of it. And I think in the end, we've actually come up with a game that to the right publisher is incredibly marketable. Yeah, To the right publisher, you know? <laughs> I mean, I have some in mind that I want to try and reach out to and show this to, and I have a lot in mind that I would normally reach out to that I would never show this game because they'll absolutely hate it. Um, or they might think it's fun, but they'll be like, there's no way I could publish this. Um so so yeah, yeah, I think we learned a lot of good lessons. And um yeah, I
0: hope you enjoyed listening to it. Thanks for hanging out and recording. Thank you. Before we go, I do have one small parting gift for you, Jason, since today is the last day we're gonna see each other, and that is this. The scorpion scorpion of Uh mine.
1: Nice. So uh longtime listeners will know that we used to do this joke about scorpions in the box back from uh um back from uh saloon Saloon Tycoon. tycoon yes based on a joke that i made uh and from that joke uh i bought a bag of scorpions two bags actually 50 25 each these little brown fake scorpion rubber things and started putting them in people's bags and stuff this was a long time ago this was gosh seven years ago probably um well uh kelly uh coming up here I started putting scorpions around my house and I was like, Oh gosh, how many did I give you until I realized that jerk found the same scorpions and bought a ton of them. So to date, this makes scorpion number 31 that I found around my house. Uh, Kelly insists I'll be finding them for years because they come in packs of 25. I can only imagine there's 19 more hiding around that I'm going to find. Uh, my kids think it's the best game ever. Um, my wife says Kelly's banned from coming back to our house and, uh, and I just chuckle when I find them because, uh, as I posted in the BTG discord, uh, this is reaping what you sow many, many years later. <laughs> and on that note, we'll call it, uh, we'll call it good. <laughs> so, um, so yes, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, you can of course go to building the there. You can find a link to our discord. Uh, you can email us at building the at gmail at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at podcast, BTG at J.A. Slingerland and at Kenny Ho K-E-N-E-H O. And of course, you can keep coming back every single week. But until next time, good night.
0: Bye, buddy. Building the game, building the game, which isn't in friends, which isn't in friends. Building the game, building the game, which isn't in friends, which isn't in friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.